Seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Oh, Father God. With all the things that are going on in the world, come and still our hearts that we would know your presence and that we would hear your word and your fresh word to us for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, I stepped into a new degree of manhood. I bought a petrol chainsaw. Yes! I honestly, I have never had so much fun. There was a, the place that we were living in had a 200-year-old uh, copper beech tree that, was, that had already uh, died, so it wasn't me, and, um, and had been cut down. Uh, so there was an enormous trunk like this big. And, a bit. and I set to work with this chainsaw over a few years, chopping it down into firewood, and it was bliss. And I've got all my fingers and all my legs, and I didn't, I didn't wound anyone else. And of course, I learned how to use a chainsaw on YouTube. Hooray! So what could possibly go wrong with that? I didn't make much of a dent into the, um, into the enormous tree, by the way. However, the person that took down uh, the tree in Sycamore Gap did. So I'm not condoning this um, horrendous act of vandalism by my prolific use of chainsaws. It wasn't me, by the way. But I'd just love us to reflect upon what's happened. This tree that's been this beautiful thing that people have looked at. Anyone actually, anyone seen it in person? No, none of us. Tim has. By Hadrian's Wall, and it sits there in this, uh, what used to sit there in this, in this kind of gap between these two hills. But it's been chopped down. Question. What's going to happen to the bit that's chopped down? What's it good for? I guess someone's going to, some artist is going to take some bits of it away and they'll turn it into something amazing. Some of it might be turned into mulch. Some of it might be turned into firewood. But the thing that it's not good for anymore is being a sycamore tree. That bit of it is done. It might be that they can, you know, grow new shoots out of it. Or, so, you know, they're talking about digging down and preserving the roots. So that, you know, who knows what they'll do. But that tree's day is done. As we continue to look at uh, John 15... I've had two sets of passages, two sets of verses in a, in a row, which are just tough. So let me share today's tough one with you. And if you've got a Bible, please open it or switch it on. And uh, John chapter 15 and verse 6, and it goes like this. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Anyone feeling encouraged? <laughs> George's, hooray! 
yeah, well, you see, the, the thing is, the thing is, George and all of us and me, you know, the passage is, is, is just rough. And I've been looking at it all week, and, and the way that I prepare stuff is I look at the verse, and then I let it kind of sit around all week. And as I was kind of getting towards the end of the week, I was getting increasingly more troubled by this verse, thinking, oh, Lord, I've got to stand up and say something about this on Sunday, and, and somehow I've got to try and make this encouraging. And, and it really doesn't feel very encouraging, because the branch gets thrown into the fire, and um, none of us really want to hear that. So welcome to Sunday, everybody. Hooray! Smile, because the talk's going to get worse from here. On it. No, it's not. It's all, it's all right, actually. Um, but seriously, uh, as you look at the verse, as you look at the verse, you know there are some things in it that are really not very encouraging. You know, uh, thrown out into the fire and burned is is not what any of us want to hear. We, we, I, I don't want that as the plan. You know, and this is Jesus being all, being all kind and lovely to his disciples. He's giving them the pep talk, and the pep talk has, includes this bit that says, don't be in the place where you're going to get thrown in the fire. What? Jesus, be nice to them. This is the last few things you get to say to them. And I thought, well, as Meg and I were talking about it during the week, I was like, oh, great. There's a get out clause in this verse, and it's the word like. Excellent. Thank you that the word like is in there because it's only a bit like this. It's not actually going to happen, is it? So at that point, before you preach that, you have to go and do the work and look at all the other texts and look at the other translations. And I'm not a, I'm not a kind of Greek scholar person, so you know I'm reliant on what others have written for that and try and make sense of this little word like and see if the like word gives us a bit of a get out because it's only going to be a bit like that. It's not actually going to happen. So let me read to you some of the other versions and we'll see if any of them help. Um, New King James Version. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and, it w and is withered and they gather them up and they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. Oh, great. That doesn't even include that word. That's not very helpful. I did check in the original language and the word is there as a separate word. It's not just in the translations. Um, the Passion Translation, usually that's a bit more hopeful and a bit more kind of, yes, great. Um, if a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Ooh, oh, gosh, I thought this was going to be more encouraging. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. Can't someone give us a nice, softer, gentler translation, please? What about the amplified version of the Bible? That's where it kind of extends things. Um, and this one maybe gives us a little window of hope, but not much. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken-off brackets branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. So I'm sorry, folks. In the other translations, and in the understanding of the language that's there, there's not actually much wriggle room. It's not really just like. It's not like it's going to be a bit like this. It's this is what happens. I'm like, oh, Lord, please give me something encouraging to say to these people. Otherwise, they won't come back next week. You know, we want to give, give you how it is, but we also want to encourage you. So, so as, I was, as I was reading around a bit, I, I had this worse thought. I thought, gosh, is this, is this one of those verses that means that if I have been following Jesus and I detach from him, that I've lost 
my salvation. Hmm. If you read the verse at face value, I, I think that's quite easily what you could take away from it. And you could come away from the verse kind of, you know, sort of a bit fearful and set back and... But if we're ever going to read a verse like that, we, we always have to read it in the context of some of the other things that are said. And, and a good way to do that is to see what the writer of this particular gospel, see what he says about our salvation. So the thing that Jesus has done for us where we get to live eternally. He's paid the price for our sin. He's saved us. What else does John include in his gospel about this about this idea. Well, let me read you a few other things. Um, so, the first one is, let's start with the classics, shall we? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, when you start following Jesus, you have eternal life. One way of thinking about that is that it starts at the point that you die and then you go to some other place called heaven. But actually, if you read Revelation, you see that actually probably heaven is coming in the other direction. It's heaven on earth. He's coming and he's going to be king and he's going to make all things new and he's going to be with people. Yes. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Is that a, is that a future thing or is it a now thing? John also says this. John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall, hear this, never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Or John 5, 24, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You see, something happens when we choose to follow Jesus, when we believe in him, when we ask him to forgive our sins, when we acknowledge him as king. We cross over from death to life, and it's done. Now, we might have a long, old theological conversation. Um, if you do, you're buying the coffee um, about, you know, about how all of this works. But for me, I, I am solidly on the place of once you've made a choice to follow Jesus, it's a done deal. It is done. And what happened, and the, one of the reasons why I'm so convinced of that is, is this simple bit of kingdom maths. When, when Jesus died for you, how many of your sins were in the future? All of them. So when he died, he dies for all of them. And when you ask him to forgive you and to be Lord of your life, what he does is he, is he, agree, he, 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 he uh, signs off the ledger, as it were, and says, I've paid for it. Has Mark agreed? Yes. Boom. Done. And he, and, he does, and he does the lot. You see, if it didn't work like that, then I would get up, you know, as I talked about last Sunday, I would get up in the, on, a, on a Monday morning and go, oh, Jesus, um, 
can we just start again? Because I'm not sure how I am with you. And he's like, Mark, what are you doing? It's done. It's finished. It's paid for. You have crossed over from death to life. And if you need a bit more backup, I could give you another kind of 20 verses on this, but I'll give you one more. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who, th- uh, who through faith are shielded by, Christ's, by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So it is to come, but it's also now. So folks, as, as Christians, I want, to encourage, I want to encourage us, you, me, to be folks that stand tall. That stand tall in his presence, not in our own strength, but in him. There's a context to all of this, which I talked a little bit about last week. If you need a reminder, it's the context of uh, covenant being served by King Jesus in John uh, 13, of uh, coming home in John 14, of Jesus being the way to the Father in John 14. Of, the Holy, of Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and then Jesus leading his friends on this walk. And I imagine that as he starts talking about him being the true vine, that actually they're walking through a vineyard. What he's explaining to them is that everything is going to be different. Everything is going to be changed. If you want to look back and, and see one of the things that he's referencing, you might want to go back and, and have a read around Ezekiel chapter 15, uh, verses 1 to 8. Let me read a few verses uh, to you. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, how is it that the wood of a vine is different from the branch of any of these other trees in the forest? Is the wood ever taken from it to make anything useful? Do they make pegs from it to hang anything on it? After And after it is thrown into the fire as fuel and the fire burns and chars in the middle, is it useful for anything? If it, was not u- if it was not useful for anything when it was whole, how much less can it be made something useful when the fire is burned and charred it? Ezekiel is talking about the people of God who have not at that point fulfilled the purpose for which God had intended to them. They were like a vineyard but they had not been fruitful. And God is saying to them, is there now any use for you given that you're not fruitful? What about those branches? Is there any use? Can we make, can we make really nice furniture out of you? Can we make bowls and pegs and things that are going to be useful in the home out of you now that you are all dried up? We can't even do that. All, all that you are good for, Israel, is kindling. That's it. Just kindling. And it's a really, really rough thing to hear. But the thing about, um, you can, here's a thing. You can buy vine kindling online. 
I didn't even know that was a thing this until this morning. You can buy bundles of vine. If you've got a vine, you need to get into this business. It was like a little bundle of little bundle of kindling from a vineyard. Like it was like this big. Do you want to know how much it was? Twelve pounds fifty. And you probably got a paid delivery on top of that. It was not, I was outraged. But all all that a vine is good for if it's become detached and dried out. All it's good for is burning. Nothing else. So Jesus is not talking about something metaphorical. He's talking about something actual as he's walking through this vineyard with his friends. But he's explaining to them the wonder of how things are going to be. The glory of how it is going to be as they are filled with his presence and with his life. The point of the vine that Jesus is talking about is that we as his branches, we will be raised up, we'll be fruitful, we'll be the people of God doing the things that he's called us to do. Fruitful for him. We'll be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Just wriggle for a moment and smile at the person next to you and say, it's going to be all right. good, because what I'm going to say next is not easy. <laughs> what I mean is this, is, is I think sometimes what we do as a church is we want to make things so wonderful and accepting and wonderful, we make it easy. You know, we, we, we think, oh, do you know what? No, no, one, no one's, no one's going to come in if we, if we keep the bar where Jesus said it. So we'll lower the bar. We'll make it easy. We'll make the gospel really nice and fluffy. And, and you know, one of those bits of language is kind of come as you are. Great. Yeah, come as you are. Absolutely as you are. But we sometimes then forget the next bit. You're not supposed to stay like that. The idea is you change. When you meet the king of kings, you have to surrender to his way of doing things. Come as you are, because he died for everyone, for all of us, for you, me, wherever you've been, whatever you've done. But the point is he died for you. He's not just got the kettle on and having a cup of tea and come in for a nice little chat and then go away, you know, and pop off and do your shopping in Lidl. That's not what it's about. He's actually really come to take sin seriously and die for you on the cross. Folks, when we let, when we let go of that, we do not have a gospel. We take out the, the death bit and we take out the payment for sin bit because we don't really want to define what sin is anymore. Here's the thing. We don't get to follow Jesus on our terms. We have to do it on his terms. And his terms are that he takes the sin of the whole world and it gets nailed to a cross. Gets laid on Jesus. And he pays the price for all of us and for all of the things that I have done wrong and that you have done wrong. And I don't mean just the bits that we like and we're comfortable with naming. I mean the whole law. All of the labels, all of the badges, all of the things that our culture would say are wonderful in this day and age, but the Bible doesn't describe them like that. All of those things.
And Jesus died for those things. And we don't get to keep the badges when we choose to follow him. We have to surrender them. And that's a hard, it's a hard message. But you know, if, if that's not our message, that we don't have a gospel. You see, it's not good news unless actually there's some bad news. And the bad news is, folks, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that's me, and it's you. Oh, that was tough, wasn't it? Right, what happens when you get disconnected from the vine? When, do you remember the sycamore tree we put up here? What's going to happen? The, the trunk of the tree is going to dry out. It is going to be uh, bowls and works of art and firewood and mulch. Yeah? That's all it's going to be. But when you, get a, when you get a branch on a vine and you dry it out, there are some things that are not going to happen anymore. You know, if you disconnect it from the vine, it is not anymore going to produce any fruit. Why? Because the sap is not going to flow through to make the fruit. That's, it's, no, it's not going to flow. It's not going to do like this magic jump and go, I, hey, I've, cho- I've chosen to live over here, disconnected from Jesus, and his Holy Spirit is going to make a jump to where I am and fill me up. I'm going fr- to be super fruitful for him over here doing my thing. That's not how that works. The thing is this. Those branches will eventually fall off. And they'll on the ground. And as I read this passage again and again, I, I see Jesus with his disciples and he maybe bends down to the ground and picks up a handful of branches. And, and the image at that point to them is really clear. He says to his friends, look, remain in me. If you don't remain in me, you're going to be like this. You will be kindling. Not even, not even proper heat-giving stuff on a fire. You'll, you'll just be the stuff that starts it on and your, and your place will not be remembered anymore. You know, and I think the image for them and for us is really powerful. Are we going to be like the dried-out twigs on the floor? They're never going to produce fruit. Or are we going to be the kind of people, the kind of church that remain in him? Why do I not think this is a salvation issue in this set of verses? Because of the other verses that I read, and some of them I read to you, just a handful. But I do think it's a little bit like this, that that picture for us is like you have been you have been purchased tickets for the best gig in the whole world name your band in your head or out loud come on name a band Span- You've been, you've been purchased tickets for the best gig in the whole world. Your band is playing at Wembley Stadium. Come on. You've got the tickets. You even get on the train and you go to the big London place. Yes, I know for some of us that is scary. London. London. 
And you go there and you, and you figure out where, 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 wherever they've put Wembley. And you, and, you, and you get as far as the gig and you, and you queue up with everyone else. And then when you get there, you choose to sit outside the stadium and listen to the echo of the music and see the lights spilling over the top and wonder where you can get some deadbeat old sandwich because you're hungry. And you miss the main event. You've still got your ticket into heaven. You'll get there. But you've missed the party. You've missed the real deal. There's this other thing, though, which... Um, as I was kind of rescanning the the set of verses, I was like, "Why, why is why is this not in here?" And if you like, I want to land on this because this is the bit of hope for today. Okay, well, why why is this not in here? Why in this set of verses does Jesus not talk about being grafted? It's like it's not there. What? Why? Why is it not there? And I was thinking, it's not there. Because it's so absolutely obvious. So it doesn't need to be there. Grafted, if you didn't know, is, is basically that the, uh, the roots of a vine are really good, really strong, and really deep. So if you want to cultivate a new vine of a different type or something that's got a bit more resilience, then what you do is you take the branch of that vine and you graft it into the main vine so that all of the benefit of those roots that are going down into that deep place to to suck up life, that the branches get the benefit of of that vine having been in the ground for years. And it's called grafting. And, and I, I did have to do a double check. It was like, is this used in kind of in the ancient world? Yes, it is. Paul talks about it um, in Romans chapter 11. And so, but Jesus doesn't mention it. Why not? Well, of course, he's mentioning it all the way through. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. And you're the branches. But he doesn't need to talk about the process because it's very obvious. It's right in front of him. You are going to be grafted in to me. You are going to be grafted into me so that you get the full benefit of who I am planted into the kingdom vine of kingdom soil of the Father. Because it's his vineyard. We've been grafted in folks. My, um, one of my other uh, jobs is, um, my other job is to take funerals. It's a really cheery business. Uh, free, free, freelance funeral person. Um, so I, you know, I, I do usually kind of one a week, um, maybe sometimes a few more. So it, it means I get to see a lot of families. It's an absolute, it's, you know, it's a weird thing. It's the thing um, I, I always feared a long time ago, kind of, ha- how do you even do that? How do you have that conversation? But it's an absolute privilege. And I wander into people's homes and, and then they tell their story. Sometimes at the end, what we leave is an enormous kind of 
inheritance of all of the places and the people and the lives that we've touched. Sometimes there is lots of evidence of the person's life, a life well lived. Sometimes there is lots of evidence of a life that has not been well lived. And sometimes there is a lack of any evidence of anything at all. And you know, the point of fruitfulness is that what we will do is we will have an impact, not just for now, but for the generations to come. Each of those little grapes has a seed that is supposed to go on and to bear more fruit. And as I was thinking about that, I was then thinking about churches and denominations and streams and and you know, all over our all over our country, there are there are echoes of churches that have been. By the way, it's great that we have kids here. Just saying. So when you hear that noise, what you need to do is be thankful and celebrate because it's good. Where was I? I look around our country and I, and, and I see these echoes of things that God was doing once upon a time in the past. And we see it with old church buildings. We see it with these mar literal physical markers on the landscape, which are an echo of what God was doing once. churches get consumed with themselves. We get consumed with the structure and the pattern of worship. There's, there, there's internal division. Over time, what happens in church denominations is there is a lack of clarity about the person of Jesus Christ. There is a lack of clarity about his word, and there is a lack of clarity about his purpose. And so we see these old buildings, these, these old echoes of what Jesus was once doing amongst his people. But somehow along the way, his people got detached from him. And there's another empty place giving glory to God from a hundred years ago. Folks, I don't know about you, but I don't want that for us. I don't want that for me as an individual. I don't want that for us as, as a community here. And I don't want that for any church in Trowbridge, whatever the stream is. He's got something more for us in this time and in this season and in this generation. And it is not about just being laid out to kindling and being burnt on a fire. And it is not about an empty building where there was worship yesteryear. But in order for that to happen, one simple thing needs to happen. We need to remain in Him. Grafted in, tied in to Him. As we do that as individuals, as we do that as a church, 
my prayer, and I hope that it is your prayer, is that there will be fruitfulness. Level one, fruitfulness. Can I give you level four levels of fruitfulness? Someone might be able to come up with some more. Level one, fruitfulness. The fruit of the Spirit. Folks, if I am not getting more patient, more kind, more generous as I spend time with Jesus, I need to spend more time with him. Yeah? Some of you, that amen was too loud. (laughs) Come and find me afterwards and tell me my sins. You know, it's me. No No one's excluded from this. Me, I need to grow in kindness. I need to grow in patience. And because I know that's true for me, I know it's true for you too. How does that happen? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The more that there is of the Holy Spirit moving in your life, growing in you, the more of His sap that is filling you, the more fruit will be hanging off you. And that fruit is first and foremost the fruit of the Spirit. The second fruit, the second bit of fruitfulness is community. That actually, we don't do this alone. We have to bump up against each other, and we have to do this together. And I do not have special knowledge about how that happens, and neither do you. And if you think that you do, you haven't. Why? Because it's our father, not my father. He's the head. And we together are the body, not me, super Mark. I can do it all by myself. Woohoo, come on. I, frankly, I'm going I'm to get to the end of the road. I'll be exhausted and, and go and need a burger. And that's not going to be good for me or anyone else. Fruit of the Spirit, community. The, the third one is catching people. You know, at that moment where the disciples are done in and dried up at the end of John's gospel. And Peter says, oh, what should we do? This is his Kevin moment. Remember Kevin? Jesus isn't even here. What are we going to do? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some some of you are going, why why is that even funny? Uh, It's Peter's kind of teenage moment of... Jesus isn't here. What are we going to do? I know. Let's go fishing. We know how to do that. Come on, let's go fishing. Anyway, they go fishing. It's it's terrible. They've they've spent so much time with Jesus, they've forgotten how to fish. They don't even know how to do that properly. It's all going terribly badly. They're like, what are we going to do now? I thought I had a career, and then I was following Jesus, and now I thought my career was in Jesus, and now now he's gone. Ah! Tried fishing. It doesn't even work. I went back to accountancy. I can't even remember how to add up. Oh, what's happening? I'm just trying to make this slightly lighter as we come into land. I hope that helps. And then Jesus rocks up on the shore. How's it going, lads? Did you catch anything? Oh, no. Throw your nets out. Huh? Is that Jesus? It's Jesus. Better do what he says. Not follow Kevin. Do what he says. 153 fish. And as they're hauling them in, 
They're, they're, they're going, do you, remember what, do you remember what he said? He said, he said follow me and I'll teach you to, I'll, I'll teach you to catch fish. And he's like, here's this overwhelming picture of what I've called you to do, but it's not actually about mackerel. It's about people. I don't know whether there are mackerel in that sea. Whatever. <laughs> Who knows? Catching people. And the last, the last bit of fruit, the transformation of society. We are supposed to make a difference as a gathered community, but also in every place that we are in. You know, if you're, if you're a small business owner and you're a Christian, your organization should be the best place to work for. You should be the best ever boss. It's not going to mean you're not going to make the hard decisions. You have to fire people sometimes because they're not, you know, whatever. Consult HR. But we're here for the transformation of society. In your business, in your home, in your street, but also organizationally and structurally. And there have been times when the church has done that and we have shaped whole societies, healthcare, schools. You just look back at our history. Folks, I want to see a time again where we do that. Will you stand with me and I'm going to pray. I'm going to start, I'm going to start big and then we're going to come right back down to the heart stuff and oh. Holy Spirit, come and rekindle in us a big vision for who you are and what you want to do in this time and this generation. Lord, that we would recapture your heart for the transformation of the whole of society. That you would renew in us the confidence that in you we can make a difference in the places that we are. Lord, I pray that you would renew in us that desire for the fruitful catching of people. That we as bearers of the good news, as, as people living with your good news would share that with those around us in words and in deeds. That we would have the privilege, even this week, of introducing people to you, Jesus. Lord, that this community would be so transformed by the presence of your Spirit. That we both follow you well in our thinking, our living, but also in the way that we relate to one another. That we would love one another. And I pray for an increase of the fruit of your Holy Spirit in our lives. that as we remain in you, that we would not be dried out, left out, burned out, but
but that we'd be so full with the life of your Holy Spirit that we would be overflowing with fruit, with goodness, with kindness, with patience, with self-control. Some of you this morning just need to hear that the Holy Spirit brings self-control. specific word, short, specific word about people to pray for this morning. Will you come and just find me? Just come and find me now. If not, that's okay. If you're the kind of person that gets those things, then now's a good time to go. Holy Spirit, anything you want to say? talk to each other they don't have a relationship uh, they can't really spend time with each other and that is heartbreaking because there is so much baggage either side which is it shouldn't be there it's that's not what is I guess that's not what Jesus has intended for them and and I think there's a lot of choice in there they choose not to speak to each other but there's also a lot of uh, shame, a lot of guilt, um, as is the way with families. And, and it just struck me, I think, midweek, thinking, good Lord, you know, if those two, if they actually knew what each other was doing, how much beauty is there in that? Because they're both stupidly clever. Stupidly clever. Anyway, that's my thought. <laughs> 